Hey, it's Bill Simmons. I have some good news for you. The hottest take. It's back. Oh, yeah. Monday through Thursday, four times a week, you hear from me, Chris Ryan, Sean Fantasy, Mallory Rubin, Wazdeen Lambrey, Van Lathan, Julie Lippman, many other ringer staffers. You get one take, you got to defend it to the death. Sports takes, pop culture takes, food takes, airplane takes. Oh, yeah. It's coming back. First episode drops August 29th. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. The MLB season is in full swing, and you can step up to the plate with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filtered by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, bet the live same-game parlays for every MLB game and track your game and bets live with box scores and play-by-play. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Let's roll, baby. Welcome in. Friday edition. New York, New York, live from Yankee Stadium. Did not get a chance to witness history. Did not get an opportunity to see Aaron Judge hit Homer 61 or Homer 62. But it ended up being a great day for me. I mean, in more ways than one. First of all, congratulations to my sister and a lovely boyfriend, Vince. They did the whole grand spiel out in center field before the game. The whole proposal. I'm involved. Kate's there, the family's there, total shit show every which way. But it worked out. She said yes. Pictures galore. Even found a way to weasel her way into the Jumbotron. So typical Caroline, I'm up. Hats off to her. She is now engaged. Hallelujah for that. All right, that's number one. Number two, go in for the Yankees. Look, you get six brilliant innings out of Jamison Tyon. Stanton hits the two-run homer. And to be honest, you're probably thinking at that point, this going to be a ho-hum game for the Yankees. Not to be. Clark Schmidt stunk it up tonight. It's been really good. He's had good moments for the Yankees. Seventh inning, he had nothing. Gives up two home runs in the inning, three-run bomb to McGuire, and then you're thinking, oh, this is going to be a bad loss. Not that it means much in the grand scheme of things, but you want to wrap this division up. You want to be thinking about the next week. Once you're in, once you win the division, boom, I'm thinking about lining up what the bullpen looks like. I'm making sure my pitchers are good to go. I'm making sure guys who need rest get rest. You don't want to be limping into the postseason. So you want to win these games. You want to get this thing over with. Yankees showed you some spunk in finding a way to come back and win this game. It was a little speed. What a concept for the Yankees in tying the game. Stan gets on. They run Lo Castro. It looks like he's out because he had a terrible jump. He had a great slide. They overturn it on the instant replay, and you're like, all right, you got to find a way to get him in. Because this was the night the Yankees were banging in the double plays. They squandered the golden chances. You name it. Beautiful small ball. Cabrera gets him over the third. Boom. Bader gets him in with a sack fly. So far, my early takeaway, Harrison Bader's going to be fun to watch, man. And I know I didn't like the trade, and I wasn't a big fan of the trade. Bader's a gamer. He plays great defense. How about an extra innings? The way he sets his feet, makes sure his body is in line to make that throw. Like, that is so... Textbook. That's Tom Amansky shit right there. I think the Yankee fan is going to like better. He's done a lot of the little things early. That's a good sign for the Yankees. They're going to need him. They're absolutely going to need him. But that's how you end up tying the game. Judge, even on a night when they don't pitch to him a couple of times, he strikes out. I thought he just missed what could have been a walk-off homer in the bottom half of the ninth inning. And from my seats where I was, 
didn't think he had it. And the main reason I didn't think he had it is because of the way Kike Hernandez ran back on the baseball. You know if you're watching a game, if the outfield is basically giving it a courtesy look, it's sayonara. Kike kind of ran back in center field with a purpose. I'm like, eh, I don't think so. And once you see him camping under it, you know it's an out. But judges throw. I mean, my goodness. Fam against Holmes, who is still a major question and a major liability for the Yankees, bails him out. He's not rushed. He knows exactly what he needs to do. I mean, that's a BB. That's Vladimir Guerrero type of stuff from Aaron Judge. What can he do? Like, I was thinking about this. Watching the game tonight, the Yankee Stadium crowd, which was terrific. I mean, it felt like they were more into the Aaron Judge stuff than the game. I can understand why. The position that the Yankees are in within the American League East. But Judge makes that throw in the ninth inning, and I'm like, there's no way in the world they're going to let this guy go, right? There's, there's no conceivable way that Aaron Judge is going to be wearing a different uniform. Right? Like, there's no way we're living in that world. There's no way we should be living in that world. Pay him whatever you got to pay him. I don't care. There are certain guys you don't mess with. He's one of those guys. I've said this 10 zillion times throughout the season, but like, it hits home that much more when you're going through a record-setting season like this. So that was super cool to see. And then extra innings, boom, you get out of it. Good job by Holmes in the 10th inning. Donaldson, say what you want about Donaldson this year. He's not been great. The batting average and the power has not been as advertised. The glove has been as advertised. But Donaldson's had a lot of big hits for the Yankees. That walk-off against the Rays. He had the opening day hit against Boston. Has another walk-off hit here against Boston. I hope that flair for the dramatic is going to be there for J.D., who's played in his fair share of playoff games with the Toronto Blue Jays and the Oakland A's and the Cleveland Indians, for that matter. Josh Donaldson has been around the postseason. So, look, the Red Sox and the Pirates are no great shakes. But it's nice to see the Yankees rounding in a form a little bit here. And here are my questions. As we go through the final two weeks of the regular season, there's Judge Watch, obviously. But that pecking order within the bullpen, Zach Britton back. No brainer to me that Zach Britton is back. Yankees need help. The guys close games at a high level. I don't know if he can do enough between now and the end of the regular season to be the Yankee closer, but I'm intrigued. That's why I never bought for a minute. Oh, the Yankees, they, they may not use Britain. Please, of course they're going to use Britain. Figuring out that pecking order in the bullpen is gigantic. I'm intrigued to see Britain. I'm glad that F. Frost is back. Good riddance with Chapman. I mean, I don't want to see Chapman ever again. Anybody who's going to suggest to me that a world is Chapman should close games for the Yankees, go watch what you saw tonight in the eighth inning. Guy can't throw a strike. He cannot throw a strike. It would be certifiably insane to put him in a closing spot for the Yankees. Nor do I think they'd be dumb enough to do that. But that's something that's going to be figured out over the next couple of days, next couple of weeks. And then you're trying to figure out, all right, who's coming back? Is LeMayu coming back? Is Carpenter going to be a guy that can be that lefty pinch hit bat off the bench? Can Benintendi work his way back? Even if he can, do you feel more comfortable with Eswaldo Cabrera because he's in a groove at this point? The good news for the Yankees is that's what the next two weeks will be about. Next couple of days, it's all going to be about Aaron Judge passing Roger Maris, having his moment, whether it's at Yankee Stadium or not. We'll find out. But lining up all your ducks in a row, it's a good problem to have if you're the team that's going to win the American League East this season. And we'll see what kind of playoff team going to be. I'm skeptical. I'm not exactly a believer from what I've seen in the second half, but got to be in it to win it, right? And you're going to have a first-round bye, and you'll take that 3-6 seed, and you take it from there. Now, the other team in town got a break tonight. They got a major, major break tonight. They should be uh, very thankful for the Philadelphia Phillies for taking down uh, the Atlanta Braves. The Mets go to Oakland, an Oakland team that absolutely stinks. And they're going to line up their three big guns. It's DeGrom, Bassett, Scherzer. Go sweep the series. I know it's a West Coast trip. I know it's weird. It's wacky timing at the end of the year. Go find a way to sweep this series. Maybe get a little bit more cooperation with the Philadelphia Phillies. Because no in a week, the Mets will play this pivotal series with the Atlanta Braves. 
You want to allow as much breathing room as possible going into that particular series. I wouldn't want to be a game up going in that series. Let me get it to two. Let me get it to three. Hey, you get it to two, Atlanta's got to sweep the series. They got to sweep the series. I think I'd sign for two and above from a Mets standpoint. They had a great win the other day against Milwaukee. I mean, that was such a fabulous win. Day after they clinched, Alonzo with the big home run, Lindor with the big home run. That's the blueprint for the Mets winning in October. We know the pitching is going to be there. Are the Mets going to be able to hit enough? And specifically enough, are they going to hit it with enough power to go and win in October? That's the pressing question surrounding this team. So the Mets taking on the A's for three. The Yankees with Judge Watch over the next couple of days against the Boston Red Sox. Now, as we get ready for week number three, isn't it amazing how the NFL season just flies? Week number three. The New York Jets are coming off a win. That was, I don't even want to say, unexpected is not even the proper word choice and terminology. How about insanely stunning? Game was over. You know, I ran into somebody actually, believe it or not, at the Yankee game, who admitted to me that he was in Cleveland as a Jet fan and left. Think about that for a minute. I don't know what's worse. That or the idiots who left knowing that Aaron Judge was going to hit in ninth inning against the Pirates the other evening. Take your pick on what's worse. But that game, you needed everything to go right. But forget about that for a minute. It's a stunning win. You take it. You're one and one now, getting ready for Cincinnati. The fact that Garrett Wilson looked like a legitimate number one receiver, the fact that Brees Hall made some plays, the fact that Sauce Gardner looked apart, those to me are the positive signs that I want that I want to see more of as this Jets season progresses. For the time being, it's Joe Flacco, a quarterback. He's going to play until Zach Wilson is right. The minute Zach is right, Benigno is going to try and tell you otherwise in a few minutes. It's not even up for discussion. Wilson's got to be a quarterback because you have to see and you have to evaluate what exactly you have. Is he worthy? Is he legitimate of being a number two pick? So now you welcome in the Bengals. Make no mistake. Cincinnati is desperate. Cincinnati is 0-2. Cincinnati has been unable to protect Joe Burrow at all to the point where I am seriously concerned about whether or not Joe Burrow is going to make it through this entire season with the way he's been getting his ass whooped. This is a dangerous game for the Jets from this standpoint. This is kind of one of those, if not now, then when for Cincinnati. Cincinnati. I'm sure, has in the back of their minds. We came into the stadium last year. We took the Jets lightly last year and the whole Mike White experience and the Mike White game that will forever live in Jet War highlighted a Jet season, hands down. Bengals are aware of that. This line has skyrocketed. It's now close to a touchdown. I can't expect the Jets to go and win this game. But I want to see a better effort at home than the one I got against Baltimore in week one. And the challenge to me in this game, Jet defense got to be better. It is getting overshadowed. It is getting overlooked because of what happened in Cleveland and the way the Browns ended up losing that game with the Jets, the way they won the game, however you want to phrase it. The Jet defense stunk. They couldn't stop Chubb. They couldn't stop Hunt. If it wasn't for just lunacy at the end of the game, we're talking about a defense that got smoked and 0-2 to start the year. That secondary is going to be tested. Jets want a chance of winning this game. It's simple. Sometimes football can be very simplistic, folks. You better get after Joe Burrow. Because if not, the Jets can't match up in a second. They can't. They can't match up. So get after Burrow. That gives you the pathway and the avenue of maybe miraculously finding a way to a 2-1 start. So Lotus Sports Weekend. Judge going for a record. Mets trying to win first place. Jets trying to get to 2-1, and one. and then we got the Giants Monday night. We'll save a lot of our Giants stuff for Sunday because their game's coming up. But I'm stumped for these games this week. Oh, my God. I am stumped. I am pumped. I am pumped. Stumped, pumped. I don't even know what it is. I can't even, I can't even think straight. So it happens when I come to a Yankee game, my sister gets proposed on the same day. You know, your vocabulary, that Syracuse education of mine sometimes works in a variety of different ways. So we got a loaded football Friday show. We're not going to do a ton of voicemails tonight. 
I'll take one real quick. I'll take one before we do Beningo and Ard and Cats and all that good stuff. Save all the good voicemails. Sunday, after Jets, after maybe there's some history in the Bronx, whatever the case may be. Uh, Jesse, who's doing a great job filling up for Stefan. Let me hear one real quick. JJ, Justin in Miami. You know, I've refrained from this Otani-Judge debate because I really didn't think it was much of a debate. But I guess some people are dead serious about this. And I think what really bothers me the most about it is how disingenuous some of these Otani voters are. You know, and let me give you an example. All I, one of the things I keep hearing is, well, Otani is third in the league in home runs and, and judges first. But that's so deceiving. He's 27 home runs behind him. I mean, would we compare somebody to Otani who had seven home runs? Otani has 34? No. So you're just sort of cherry-picking very favorable stats to make your case. You know, the other thing here is, I would say this, if you're voting for Otani this year, like, you, you're always voting for him. Because if you're going to vote for him over somebody who has had arguably the most historic offensive season ever while playing a premium defensive position for a team that without him would not make the playoffs, well, you always are voting for him. Because it really doesn't matter what Otani's ERA is or what his hitting is. You're basically saying he pitches, he hits, he's the most versatile player, he wins, period. It really shouldn't matter if Otani's like 10-10 and 10 with a 380 ERA because nobody else who's a hitter is pitching to that, even to that level. So to me, I just find it incredibly disingenuous, like these people championing for Otani, especially since most of these guys are big on the metrics and saber metrics. And here's Judge leading in war pretty by a pretty decent amount, and it's still not enough. So I don't know. I find the argument completely disingenuous. I don't think it's going to be that close. And one other comment. Did you watch Cobra Kai, JJ, the scene with Barnes, Johnny, and Chosen all fighting together at the end? That's an all-time scene. Later, man. So I have not, Justin, seen Cobra Kai yet. I saw the first episode actually late last night. I have not dug in. I've been so damn busy. No excuses. You got to play like a champion, but it's been insanity for me. So that's that's on the agenda um, at some point next week. I could guarantee it. We'll have some Cobra Kai mixed in um, and we'll take it from there. Now, anyone who's going to make the argument to me Otani is the MVP, then just give Otani the MVP every single year. I mean, just give him the MVP every single year. It's, it's not even up for conversation. Look at Judge's war. Look at the year he's having on a first place team. The guy has been monstrous for the Yankees. He's had every big hit. How many times did the Yankees play a game they desperately needed to win? Sunday against Tampa. Game Monday against Scherzer and the Mets. I mean, countless times they were in situations where they needed to start play to show up. And oh, by the way, games that matter. Games that freaking matter. Listen, Otani is a wonderful talent. He is a fantastic, fantastic player. If he wins the MVP this award this year, which he won't, because the betting market does not lie, judges like basically minus 2,000, 5,000 to win the award. He's going to win the award. But if Otani wins the award this year, then you know what? Just give him the award every single year. It would be an out-and-out embarrassment if he ends up winning the award. Embarrassment. The voters will not be that stupid. They will not be that stupid. And I love Otani. Like, I, I can't get enough of the guy. But again, like, being on a winning team, I'm sorry. It has to mean something. And oh, by the way, a guy on a winning team who might win a triple crown. Like, it just gives me the heebie-jeebies hearing about it. Serious heebie-jeebies. All right. Up next, our main man, the legend, Joe Beningo. Old school, new school, coming up next. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. 
It's now time for week three. It's old school, new school. I am at Yankee Stadium awaiting maybe 61 and 62 from Aaron Judge. And who greets me? The great Joe Beningo. Two and three last week. Delirious about your Jets. How are you, my friend? I'm good, bro. Uh, yes, I am a little delirious about my Jets. I'm a little delirious about the Mets. I'm a little delirious about a number of things right now. I, I can understand that. I can understand that. And before we get to the picks this week, three and two last week for me, two and three last week for you. Is that one of the more stunning jet victories you've experienced in your lifetime? Let me explain this. As I said last week, I've been a jet fan since 1965. Okay. All right. So that's almost 60 years. I've never seen him win a game like that ever, (laughs) ever, ever. I mean, the Browns basically put on a clinic of what not to do in the final right. three minutes of so that everything, game. Everything that had to happen correctly happened. I mean, let's be honest. Now, I've seen the Jets lose many games like that, never win a game like that. And you want to see Flacco for the foreseeable future at quarterback Flacco if he's plays, playing well. To me, Flacco plays until he doesn't play anymore. If, they, if he continues to play well and they continue to win, Flacco's got to play. I'm sorry. Flacco's got to play. Now, I'm going to try and jumpstart you here. You know, like when a player is struggling, they maybe move him up in the order. They want to get him fastballs. It's like, you know, I'm putting you in front of Aaron Judge right now. So I'm going to give you the honors. I'm going to let you Aaron kick Judge. it yeah, off. Make sure, make sure we see Roger. Make sure Roger's seen. Well, look at you. As this I get ready for, for Aaron Judge, you were showing me Roger Maris. I love it. The symmetry is perfect. There you go. So I will give you the honors, sir. You have the first pick. Week three. You need a winning week. Let's go. I'm going right to it. I'm taking the Ravens. I'm laying two and a half in New England. Number of reasons. The Ravens coming off that absolute. You talk about bad losses, boy. There was a number of teams that had bad losses last week. Cleveland, the Raiders, and the Ravens. Probably the three worst losses of the week to those three teams. You know, you blow a a 28-7 lead. You blow a 35-14 lead. And I understand all the firepower that your Dolphins have, but that's a horrific loss. Now, in that game, Lamar had a had a monster game. Even though they lost, Lamar was, what, he, he ran for 100, he threw for 300, whatever he did, he had a monster game. I, I love the Ravens this week. They got to be angry. They got to be aggravated coming off that loss and blowing that game like they did. And I just don't think the Patriots are any good. I mean, I'm sorry. I know they beat Pittsburgh last week, but I don't know if Pittsburgh's any good. Who knows? Um, you know, look, I, I, I like that. And the Ravens have had success in the past in Foxborough. Obviously, they want to play well. You know, they won a, 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 a AFC championship game there. They should have won two, actually. If, uh, Lee Evans and Billy Cundiff, correct. No, Billy Cundiff, and who was the wide receiver? What was Lee Evans, one? former Buffalo so Bill. Lee Evans, right. right. So they should have won two. In fact, they won two. Remember, they also beat him in 2009. In the uh, Ray Rice Willis McGahee game. game went for 80 yards and a touchdown. So the Ravens that they've won twice there in the playoffs. Uh they, you know, they almost won a third time in that AFC title game. They've had success there. I know it's many years ago, but that's this Patriot team is nowhere near what those Patriot teams were, those championship Patriot teams. Give you the Ravens lane two and a half at home against the Patriots. Or on the road against the Patriots. So I almost made this a family play. I may have a couple of shekels already on Baltimore laying three. The reason I'm laying off the game, Joe, is I am scared, you know what, that this line has moved off at three because everything you said is accurate. I don't believe in the Patriots. They don't have the firepower to exploit the Raven defense, but we've talked about these fishy lines a lot. That's been a theme of the first two weeks of the year. This, to me, is a fishy line with the Ravens only laying less than a field goal against the Patriots. See, I disagree. Why do you say that? I don't look at this line like the Giant-Titan line week one or like the Pittsburgh-New England line last week. I look at this that the Patriots are home and they're underdogs. Yeah, I guess. I just feel like it should be more to be honest with you. I don't look at this in any fishy way. I think this is probably the the right number, to be very honest with you. See, I think it should be, I think moving off three, though, is telling. Like, I think it's more in the three, three and a half range. But, hey, we agree to disagree. My first game, I love it. This is such a great spot for them. Give me the Rams lane three and a half against the Arizona Cardinals. Arizona pulled the game out of their dairy air last week against Vegas. Vegas, you want to talk about a collapse. 
Vegas was dominating that game for the first half, completely fell apart. Arizona had to convert about three or four fourth downs, and Arizona got the gift of a lifetime with the fumble from Hunter Renfro that they returned for a touchdown. Well, let me also say this in that game, too. They also got a gift on a fourth down illegal contact on a pass interference on the contact. The biggest play in the game. I mean, I, I, you know, come on. How do you throw the flag on that? Not great. But give me the Rams, who to me are a far better team. They have a far better coach. They were dominant for two and a half quarters against Atlanta and then kind of let Atlanta get right back into the game. McVay has been money in the division against the number and public is on Arizona after their great win last week. I'll go the other way. I'll like three and a half. I think this is a margin victory for McVay and the Rams. All right. I don't, th- I don't disagree with you. All right. Game two, because I'm 2-0 and with this team this week, this year, I'm taking the Lions, getting six at Minnesota. I know Minnesota got whacked. A terrible performance Monday night against the Eagles of Philadelphia. They stunk. They looked horrible. Uh, I, I just don't know how good, is, I just, how good is Minnesota. How good is Detroit? I think the Lions are a little better than people think. I really do. You know, they, they, gave, they, they gave the Eagles all they wanted in week one. They had a big lead last week against the WFT. I know WFT came back and it made it a close game when they wound up winning by 11 or 9, whatever the final score was, uh, Detroit. But I think the Lions are better than people give them credit for. I don't know how good Minnesota is. I'm not, I'm, you know, Kirk Cousins doesn't do it for me, right? I mean, I, he just doesn't do it. I know they got guys that got Cook, they got Jefferson, they got Thielen and these guys, and I know they're home. But division game, I'm 2-0 with the Lions. I'm riding with them again. Give me Detroit plus six against the Vikings. Well, Joseph, I am going to give you an opportunity to gain some ground here because we will have a heads-up play. Ah. I'm going the other way here. Everything you said about the Lions being spunky is fair. They have been good to you. I totally understand that, and I totally get it. But this is a great buy-low spot with Minnesota. Minnesota's coming off a whooping. Philadelphia gave it to them every which way on Monday night. The quarterback played terribly. They were dropping passes all over the place. And Detroit played a terrific game last week in winning their first game of the year. Now, I know it's a division game, and I know you're getting six points. But to me, Minnesota's a better team than Detroit. Minnesota's got a great home field advantage. You don't want to lose sight of that. That's number one. Number two, it's a revenge game. The first win of the year for the Detroit Lions last season was the Minnesota Vikings in early December. It was that stunning walk-off touchdown that Jared Goff had. I am taking Minnesota. I think they're going to win comfortably here. So we are heads up right out of the gate. You go with the Lions. I will go with the Vikings. All right, game three. I'm taking LV, okay? The Oakland, LA, LV Raiders. <laughs> Lane two at Tennessee. I, I just, it was such a brutal loss. First of all, let me, I don't think Tennessee's any good. Let's start with that. You know, they lost to the Giants opening week. They got absolutely annihilated by the Bills on Monday night. What a joke that game was. Um, Derrick Henry doesn't look anything like the guy he was in the past. Ryan Tannehill, you can say whatever you want about Ryan Tannehill. You know as well as anybody, he's just not any good. Uh, I, 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 and I think the Raiders are a good team. I mean, they lost two tough games. They had a tough loss against the Chargers in L.A. And just last week, I mean, that, to me, that loss was worse than what the Browns did with the Jets. I mean, it's, it's Wow, close. really? Really? I mean, it was a bad loss, but that's crazy coming from It's you. pretty bad. I mean, it's right there with that, if nothing else. But I, this is more of, I think the Raiders are good. I can't see the Raiders starting 0-3. And I, I just think that Tennessee's not any good, bro. I know they're home. But I, I look, I said this after they lost to the Giants. They're a little bit of a fraud team. They have been that for a couple years now. I know they had the home field last, last year in the AFC. We saw what happened with that. The year before they were in the playoffs, we saw what happened with that. I think they're a little bit of a fraud. Uh, I, I used to give Mike, I, I thought Mike Grable was one of the best coaches in the league. I'm starting to think that he's a little overrated. Give me the Raiders, Josh McDaniel to get his first win as a Raider head coach, laying the two in Tennessee. Well, Joseph, we're heads up in the Detroit, Minnesota game. We are riding together with Vegas because I think the fact that Vegas is favored in this game tells you all you need to know about the Tennessee Titans. And this, to me, is a put-up-or-shut-up game for Vegas. It really is for both teams. The Titans, though, being in that crummy AFC South, 
they are going to have opportunities to get back in that division because the division, you're lucky. That nine wins is winning that division. Might even be an eight-win team. Let's be perfectly honest. Vegas, they're in a division that has the Chiefs, the Chargers, and the Broncos. They can't go to 0-3 here. And you nailed it. They should have won last week. Week one, they play a good Charger team. That's a one-possession game. I think they go to Tennessee and take care of business here. I'll lay the two. And more people, for whatever the reason, are betting on the Tennessee Titans. Big mistake, Joe. I like Vegas. Yeah, I think Tennessee is a total fraud. So you and I are a family play on the Vegas-Tennessee game. All right, game four. I love the Bucks here at home against the Packers. This game is a pick em game. I, I, I understand. I get the Packers beat the Bears last week. Am I supposed to get excited about that? The Packers always beat the Bears. Give me a break. You know, they got beat up in week one at Green Bay. I just think the Bucs are better. You know, we saw the Bucs. We saw their defense two years ago in the AFC Championship game completely shut them down in Green Bay. You know what? Say whatever you want. It was an ugly game last week for the Bucs as they beat the Saints. I understand Mike Evans is not playing. I get that. That's a big hit. Suspended with that crazy, you know, brawl or whatever you want to call it last week in New Orleans. I just don't think the Packers are that good. I think the Packers are on their way down. I really do. Um, I don't love the coach. I think he's overrated. And I think the Bucs, you know, I know I know uh, my buddy is uh, Todd Bowles is the coach now. And I know Tom is having, he still hasn't been great. He's got his issues with Giselle. And I don't know if Giselle's talking. Who knows what's going on with Giselle? Tom has the kids. What? Who knows? Do we really know? <laughs> do we care? I, I just think the Bucs are good. I really do. I do. And I don't think the Packers are. And you're going into Tampa. I think the Bucs are winning this game. I'm going to say easily. Watch them pick off uh, at least two picks in this game against Rodgers. It's an even money game. I like the Bucs even money at home against Green Bay. In fact, I love them. So I thought about going with the Packers. I did because Tampa's offense has been so beat up. And to be honest with you, Joe, it's been so bad the first two games it hasn't of the year. Been good, but their defense is but good. But they're still winning games. And I picked against them last week. So I have a little PTSD, to be honest with you. So I am staying away there. I'm not going near that game. Here's what I am going to do for my fourth game, though. For my fourth game, I'm taking the New Orleans Saints. I'm going back to the well here against the Carolina Panthers. I know I had New Orleans last week. I know it didn't work out well for me last week. Carolina stinks. McCaffrey's beat up number one. Baker Mayfield has not played well. And New Orleans, they did everything imaginable to lose that game last week. Everything imaginable. I don't think that happens again. I think you get a clean game out of Winston. Give me the Saints. I'm laying two and a half points. They find a way to get to 2-1 this year. Is there a more overrated coach in football than Matt Rule? Well, he's going to be fired at the end of the year. Oh, he's gone. I mean, let's be honest. He is as good as gone. He'll be coaching college next season. The Matt Rule experience is right. He'll be back coaching Baylor or something next year. Who knows? Wherever he's going to be. But, uh, yeah, I think the the bloom is well off that rose with with the rule. I like that pick, bro. Good pick by you there. All right, my last pick, I love the Cowboys. I'm sorry. It's a pick-em game. I just cannot. And I give the Giants credit. You know, I mean, I, the the upgrade in the coaching staff is dramatic. I mean, they really look like they got something with Dable. I, uh, Wink Martindale, that was a tremendous hire. I tremendous mean, defense, hire. And the Ravens miss him. Let's be honest. After watching their defense against the Dolphins, they miss no him. No question. Too. No question about it. Tremendous hire with Martindale. Dable looks like the real deal. But I just can't see the Giants starting 3-0. and I don't see it. I don't see it. And, you know, the Cowboys... Nice win last week against the Bengals. Cooper Rush is not terrible. I mean, a guy, you know, I mean, he's not terrible. You certainly could win games with this guy, you know. And look, this Micah Parsons may be the best. He may be the best defensive player in the league right now. No, he's, he's a stud. The Giants could have had him, might I add. They could have had him and end up with Tony instead. Nice pick, right. Gettleman. Another parting gift from the Giants. Uh, brutal. Brutal. Well, yeah, well, Gettleman. Gettleman had a, to say that Gettleman had a, a rough tenure as giant GM. That's being kind. That's being very, Kenny very kind. Galladay, what a disaster. What a stiff. What oh, a my stiff. God. No, look, I, the Giants, I think they got a real shot to make a run in this division because the division's so bad. I don't know how good the Eagles are yet. I'm still not sold that they're that good. I think the Cowboys are winning this game. There's going to be a lot of Cowboy fans, as always, at the Meadowlands. You know, there will be. You know, half the place is going to be rooting for Dallas. Uh, I, I like the Cowboys, and I like them 
I don't want to say big, but I think they'll win this game by at least a touchdown. So give me give me Dallas in a pick'em game Monday night against the Giants. So I agree with you. I think Dallas is going to win the game. The reason I am not picking this, though, Joe, and this is going to sound really ridiculous, the Giants were so good to me the first two weeks of the year. You know why? You I, I, I feel like I don't want to upset the apple cart by picking against them. If I had a wager on the game, I agree with you. I think Dallas's defense is going to overwhelm the Giants, and I just don't know how the Giants are scoring in this game. That's what it boils down to for oh, me. The defense is going to have to score. They're going to have to score. They're going to get a lot, you know, get a lot of field goals from Gano, and maybe the defense gets it. That's a big stick. That something. game has twenty to sixteen written all over it. Yeah, ugly. something like that. Yeah. Ugly. That would be a games. very, very ugly game. Um, my last pick, I think, is going to surprise you. I am not going near the Dolphins. They have to wake me up. Well, I, I got to see it against the That's Buffalo a tough Bills. Spot. I mean, Buffalo looks like a world beater. They're right. a wagon, and after last week, I am done betting against them for the foreseeable future. But I am going to bet on an zero and two team playing a juggernaut because I think this line hmm, it's a little fishy. I'm taking Indianapolis. And I'm grabbing five and a half points. If Michael Pittman plays, know this about the Colts. They are a team under Frank Reich that gets off to very slow starts. They started one and four last year. Um, when they had Andrew Luck, they were one and five and they found their way all the way to the postseason. I don't think the Colts season is done with. Remember, Darius Leonard, Shaquille Leonard, whatever his name is these days, he hasn't played. He's going to be back. Michael Pittman didn't play last week. He's going to be back. And the Colts never, ever, ever win in Jacksonville. So I wasn't surprised last week that they got whooped by the Jaguars. I really wasn't. I didn't. I, I to me, Jacksonville plays them tough for whatever the reason. It's like New England and Miami. It's, Are you worried at all about Matt Ryan? That maybe Matt Ryan. A little bit. He has not played well at all. But you can run on the chief defense with Taylor. Number one. Number two. That offense is going to look a lot better when Michael Pittman comes back. I just think for the Chiefs, after week one dominant, big win over the Chargers, this kind of has a little bit of a letdown game for them, especially knowing who's next. They got Tom and the Buccaneers next weekend in the 425 game. So they might win. Mahomes might pull it out of the fire. I think five and a half at home is too many. I'm taking the Colts. All right. You don't love that one. I could tell. You're not, that yeah, is not getting it. the Joe stamp of approval. I'm very hesitant to bet against Kansas City. You know, right now, I'm hesitant. There's a couple teams I wouldn't bet against. Kansas City right now, Buffalo. I didn't take either of them, but I, I don't know if I'd go against them either, you know? Well, I get that. Now, Joseph, before we say goodbye, I am at Yankee Stadium tonight. Uh, I'm hopeful to see history. When will Aaron Judge pass the bobblehead that you are holding? And the great well, it's not a bobblehead, it's a statue. Figurine, see. statue, you know what All I right, mean. There he is, number nine, as you can see. Beautiful Roger. swing, lefty. Look at that. Fantastic at that. finish. Now, I'll say this. When Roger hit home run number 61, which I believe was October 2nd of 1961, it was off Tracy Stallard, who went to move and against the Red Sox. So here, here, all I'll say is this. If you don't, Aaron Judge will, this weekend, got four shots against Boston, he will hit. He will break the record this weekend, without a doubt. And wouldn't be surprised if he shatters the record this weekend against the Reds. So well, I am hopeful to see that. It is always great seeing you. You do for a good week here. I am. And remember, anybody who's selling stock in Joe's picks, remember this: Joe started off fifteen games under five hundred yep. and had a winning season last year. Comfortably had a winning season. Made a so huge you run. Second You're a second half, half player. No doubt. It takes me, I'm, an old, I'm old. It takes me time to get revved up, bro. You know what I mean? I understand I that, that. I don't have all that juice you got. You know what I mean? That I young don't know. juice. This year we're off to a good start. We don't want to change the thing, though. That's why I got the beard going, man. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I like it. Now, you're working on SNY tonight. No, I'm off. I'm at the Yankee game tonight. And I can say this now on the podcast because the deed will already be done by the time this podcast is posted. I am here to see number 99, and my sister is getting proposed to. How about that? Oh, you told me that at the stadium. That's oh, my right. God. That's where I'm going next. I go from Joe B to Vince, my future brother-in-law, saying I do right before the game. Congratulations, bro. Congratulations. Do you tell your sister I say congratulations? Even though you gave her the business with LeBron James a few years ago, which, by the way, was deserved. It no, was well, deserved. Please, don't get me started on him. That's <laughs> Anyway, anyway, Stella. let me ask you a question now. So will she be married before you? 
No, because we have a wedding date, my friend. Oh, okay. Sure, 8.25. We can announce it. 8.25. Get your popcorn ready, and I'll see you on the dance floor. Oh, I'll be there. I'll be, bro, I'll be, I'll be shaking and baking, man. And I'll singing. I'll be doing all I the things. Everything. Yeah, well, whatever you want. The twist, the fruit, the Watusi, you know, whatever, you know, whatever you want. The slide, the electric slide, the moonwalk, whatever you need, I'm there. Stellar. Stellar. <laughs> stellar. The great Joe Beningo. One more thing. Very, how, how about the fact, right? I think, and this is, you know, Roger Maris, number nine. Aaron Judge, number number 99. Mm. How about that? Almost mm. nine. I like I'm gonna that. I'm going to show one more time the great Roger Maris. And I'm going to say this to all, tell all my buddies at the, with the BBWA, okay? All right? The baseball, right? As I say, right? The BBWAA, Baseball Right Association enough. of America. Close enough. Tell all my buddies there that see this guy, number nine, okay? He should be in the freaking Hall of Fame. Let's stop worrying about that his numbers weren't this and the numbers weren't that. This guy, not only did he hit the 61 home runs, not only was he the back-to-back MVP in 1960 and 1961, he was a tremendous defensive right fielder, played on seven pennant-winning teams, three world championship teams between the Yankees and the Cardinals. Roger Maris unquestionably should be in the Hall of Fame. And tell all the geeks, baseball writers, every one of them. And you know the guys, I'm not going to mention the names. You know who they are, okay? You know, Anthony McCarron, John Harper, all these guys. Heyman, everybody. Tell them, all right? Roger Maris, Hall of Fame. Uh, I'll try not to pick any fights with the Otani Judge nonsense, by the way. Uh, I'll do my best. Stop it with Otani. Yeah, I know. Embarrassing. Embarrassing. While While we're celebrating Judge breaking the record, Number nine, Hall of Fame. Let's get it done. The great Joe Beningo. Good luck to you, my friend. And hopefully we are as delirious on Sunday as we were last week. That would be nice. Uh, that would you be nice. Run the pitch? You want to run the pitch back again before you go? Yes, surely. Uh, the recap, as we like to do here on uh, Old School, New School. Beningo's got the Ravens, the Lions, Vegas, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the Dallas Cowboys. I got the... LA Rams, Minnesota Vikings. We got a family play with Vegas. We're heads up in Minnesota, Detroit. I got New Orleans laying two and a half. And then my final pick, I'm taking Indianapolis in the points plus five and a half. Bro, God bless. Yes. All the love for you. Always. All of it. All of it. Be good, bro. We go from our pal Joe B to our pal in the desert. He's over at Superbook and the Westgate. He joins us every football Friday here on New York, New York. My main man, our Vegas extraordinaire, Arthur Caesar. What's up, buddy? JJ, what's going on, my friend? Uh, uh, I am here. sure that the books were very appreciative of the shenanigans at the end of the game and the idea that the Browns go and take care of business every which way. Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, Browns and over were actually a really good result for us. And, you know, the shenanigans at the end of the game knock out some uh, Steeler teaser stuff. So... Yeah, we're happy about it. Now we get down to business, my man. There are a ton of home underdogs going into this Sunday. Can you ever remember a slate where we've had this many? Or it's insane. Every game I'm looking, home dog here, home dog there. And normally they're barking. And normally they're cashing like crazy. Are you looking at week three as a week where we are talking about the home underdog, or are we going to see a little market correction where these road favorites clean up? Well, that that's it too, JJ. You know, and I'm even counting, I believe, four divisional home underdogs. You know, which is usually a recipe to cash tickets in the NFL. So we'll see. Um, I think you know it, it's usually you know you take the NFL in quadrants. Usually, I know we're 17 now, but. You know, usually take it basically four weeks at a time, and we're almost to the end of that first, you know, end of that first quadrant, and we'll kind of see what happens with some of these really good teams and some of these bad teams. I know for me personally, and you know, us back in the risk room, we're still trying to figure out, you know, what some of these teams are. You know, uh, what is Vegas? How real are your Dolphins? Um, can the Bengals figure it out? There's still a lot of things that I think we're still trying to figure out, especially when we're making these numbers. Uh, speaking of making numbers, isn't it wild the Bengals last week? And I like Dallas. We talked about this week, too. 
Dallas was a seven or a seven and a half point dog at home. The Jets this week, they were at four and a half. Now it's skyrocketing to six. Pretty crazy, huh? You know, the Bengals last week against Dallas, a playoff team, a laying a touchdown. Now it's under a touchdown. Crazy. No, there's no doubt about it. And and you're right. You know, we opened at four and a half, but it's quickly gotten to six. But I don't think there was, you know, any any doubt in our minds that the Bengal Bunny would come in. But, you know, sometimes when you're setting a number, too, even if, you know, let's just say us at the Westgate, we believe in a number, believe in a power rating. Sometimes you can't get too wacky and you have to kind of stay with market. You can't just say, well, we're going to open the Bengals six and everyone's got them at four, four and a half, because... Sometimes you just can't do that. So, you know, I think that's our approach right now to the Bengals. We just don't know what to make make of them. There are a bunch of fishy lines this week, Art. What's the stinkiest line of the week? (sighs) I mean, I'll throw two at you. And I think one is that, you know, we, we actually have discussed it. And you're the one who brought it up, I think, after week one. You know, the Buffalo game is, is a stinky line and it's the Buffalo tax. I remember you saying it. You know, that and a look-ahead line was Bills three, three and a half. And think now about this, Art. The Dolphins are coming off their win of all wins. Yes. They're 2-0 to start the year, and you are still paying that Buffalo tax, dude. It's crazy. And that's exactly what I was just going to say. It's like, all right, I get it. If, if Miami would have lost last week and it was 42-10 or whatever it was going to be, okay. And, you know, I could understand it. But the fact that they end up winning that game And they've looked as good as they have, you know, and week one, whatever. I mean, they handled New England, so good for them. They won that game. It's insane. Like, you know, you and I were texting back and forth. Dude, think about these Buffalo futures now. We have the Bills plus 250 to win the Super Bowl. We have Josh Allen plus 175 to win the MVP. I mean, we're two weeks into the season. So the Buffalo tax is real and it's here. It's unbelievable. And I think the other stinky line, and this is an ugly game. I mean, a game that if I don't bring this up, we probably don't even discuss. The Bears being a slight favorite at home. Two and a half point favorite. I mean, the Texans have looked decent. I mean, they have. I know their offense isn't great, but the Bears, I I don't know. I throw out what happened in week one with all that monsoon stuff. And then obviously Green Bay owned them because Green Bay always owned them. But, you know, we have two and a half minus 120. If, you know, there are some threes out there. I think getting the Texans plus three is worth a look, to be honest. Now it's time, bud, to give my picks and Joe's picks. I am seven and three to start off the year. Joe, three and seven. But remember, Joe came storming back last year. Joe's picks, he's got the Ravens, the Lions, Vegas, Tampa, and the Cowboys on Monday night. I have the LA Rams, which is my favorite play of the week. Minnesota laying the six. So a heads up in Minnesota, Detroit. We both have Vegas. I have New Orleans. And then I added as my fifth game, Indianapolis. Another one of those stinky lines. I think they respond here in week three against the big bad Kansas City Chiefs. So Baltimore, Detroit, Vegas, Tampa, and the Cowboys. Rams, Vikings, Vegas, New Orleans, and uh, Indy. What picks you like more? Well, you know, and obviously the first two weeks I've given you my blessing. So, you know, I, I've, I've felt good about your picks. You know, just starting with Joe's, the Baltimore game, that, that, that's a tough game. I you got know, off I, that game. Or, I yeah. said it earlier in the week, I am scared now. The fact Me that too. you guys moved that line off the three was all I needed to see. I said, I ain't including it in circuit this week. Can't do it. I can't do yep. it. Yep. And, and, and we took sharp money on New England at plus three. Um... Uh, you know, it's a couple of things. It's what you saw last week. Obviously, Baltimore with the collapse and the secondary doesn't look great. And they got injuries now. Um, obviously, New England has not looked good after two weeks, but I think people were happy to take the home team, getting the three points. So the Baltimore one, I, I still believe in Baltimore. I have a lot of Baltimore future stuff, so I'll side with Joe on Baltimore. I actually, I actually like that pick. I mean, I you do know, too, because I don't think New England could take advantage of that secondary, dude. I don't. I don't think they can. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. And like I said, I don't want to bury Baltimore after two weeks. I just don't. I believe in them. I believe in Lamar and what they do. You know, you and him going heads up on Detroit. You know, we've had we've had discussions about what we thought Detroit would be this year. I know both of you and I kind of like Minnesota coming into the season and kind of anti-Detroit, the hard knocks thing. Everyone loves them. They'll be competitive. That line is crazy to me. You know, we had some pretty good public money start coming in on Detroit. And I think that's not shocking because I think 
the public is happy to bet Detroit. We haven't really had anybody sharp yet on Minnesota. It's a big number to lay in a divisional game, but I think I would take Minnesota to bounce back. So I'm going to give you the pro on that and give Joe, eh, I'm out on that. You're both taking Vegas. I'm both with you on Vegas. Now, this is a must win for both teams. Both teams are owned too. This is like the one thing I'd, I'd counter with that though, Art, the Titan division is so crappy that even at 0 3, I don't mm. know if you're out of that division. That division stinks. That is, you know what? I didn't think about that. It, that is true. I mean, Jacksonville's frisky. Obviously, who knows with the Colts, but. Well, then you know what? It's way bigger for Vegas. I think Vegas needs it a lot more, dude. That's my thing because in that division that they planned, there are no gimmies. There are no layups. You can't start 0-3 to me in the AFC West and be taken seriously. Tough to do. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? That's a good call. I don't disagree with that. So obviously you're both on that. I can endorse Vegas for both of you. Tampa, I'm not with him on Tampa. I like Green Bay. I don't like what I've seen out of Tampa. And listen, I know Mike Evans is out. I don't even base my pick on that. But Rodgers, you know, he kind of got like, he kind of got to felt, you know, good again in Lambeau. I know he beats the team he always beats. But I feel like Green Bay will play really well this week. So I'm not in on Tampa. I'm out on Tampa. Um, and then who was Joe's last pick? Uh, again, Dallas. Was I'm on oh, yeah, Dallas, yeah. You know that? Man, see, what the Giants have been so good to me. I, I actually like Dallas in the game. I just can't see the Giants at 3-0. And I don't yeah. know if the Giants are going to do enough to make plays against that Cowboy defense. But I can't pick against the Giants. I had them the first two weeks of the year. They were good to me. Can't do it. That is the thing. And, you know, that line, talk about a weird line that's been. You know, basically look ahead on that. Before week two, obviously we know the Prescott injury. We have the Giants minus four. Then we reopen it. It's three. It quickly gets bet. Now we're Giants minus one. Like, I'm with you. I don't know how the Giants are going to score. I mean, it's going to be an ugly game anyway. 39 is the total. There probably won't be a lot of points in the game. And this is a Giant fan talking. I'm with you. I don't know how the Giants are going to start 3-0. And I really don't think Cooper Rush is that bad. I really don't. I keep saying this. You know, I just don't think he's that bad. So, yeah. I mean, I, I could see that with Joe. So the Cowboys, that's probably a good pick. Um, Your extras, I'm with you on the Colts now. It is becoming very fashionable to take the Colts this week. Obviously, the number has moved. We were as high as six and a half. We're now five and a half. Um, man, Colts need the game. They need the game in the worst way. You would think they get a big effort. And then who you take the Saints, right? I like the Saints this week against Carolina. I do, or I do. Oof. I think Carolina stinks. Uh, they're probably, they're, they probably do stink. We did take sharp money on Carolina. Plus three, once again, that's the divisional dog thing. People are happy to take three points with a divisional dog. So, you know, I understand why that happened. Obviously, we're at two and a half right now. I think this is the first week I'm going to side against you. I'm going to slightly take Joe's picks. Wow. Okay, buddy. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. All right. Before we say goodbye, now it's your time to shine. Picks, what do we got? Let's do it. One and one right now. Obviously, we're, we're riding the teasers. Um... Game we talked about. I'm throwing the Bengals in there. The Bengals have gotten to a point now where it is a teaser for me because they're minus six. You make the Bengals a pick them. They're beating the Jets. I'm sorry. I know the Jets had a great little win last week, but the Bengals really need to get down to business this week. They have to win the game. And then, you know, a theme that, you know, and a game we didn't talk about, but once again, a divisional game, and everyone is putting this team in the Super Bowl. And I get it. The Eagles have looked great. But I think Washington at home getting the type of points they get, and now I can tease it through 10, I'm with it. So they're six and a half, make them 12 and a half. So a two team six point teaser, Bengals pick them at the Jets, Washington at home against the Eagles plus 12 and a half. Like the sound that I ought to Caesar over at Superbook, buddy, don't be a stranger. We'll chat next week and hopefully I can survive not getting your blessing. We'll see. Yeah, we will. And then listen, it's worked out really well for you. You know, obviously seven and three, that's a hell of a start. But uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. And let's cash some tickets, JJ. That's the move. We go from art the season to our fantasy extraordinaire. Jason Katz up next. This episode is brought to you by 7-Eleven. Cold slurpy drinks and a hot summer day are a match made in heaven. And your favorite refreshment just got even better. Let's talk about 7-Eleven's $1 small slurpy drink with seven rewards. It's the classic frozen fizzy treat you can't get anywhere else. I'm a blue raspberry guy. 
just know that about me. Know that I'm going to be going forward. Anytime there's a drink like this, I'm in on the blue raspberry. If you're feeling thirsty, feeling thirsty right now, how about going to visit a 7-Eleven valid through 1725? 7-Eleven has the right to end this promotion early, plus tax, participating U.S. stores. See app for full terms. All rights reserved. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. So before we say goodbye, the fantasy savant, I got to think of an adjective. I mean, maybe Jason Katz and all of his wisdom and knowledge can work on something. But then again, Jason, uh, Pro Football Network, then it means you have to create your own nickname. I don't think you're allowed to do that, right? No, nicknames have to be given to you by other people. That's the nickname rules. I would agree with that. So therefore, I need to think of something. And we will do that as the weeks and the months progress throughout this football season. You know, I'm still giddy. I've watched the highlights from the Dolphins' 21-point comeback about 10 zillion times. Two at a hill, two at a waddle. Basically shades of Dan Marino in the fourth quarter against the Baltimore Ravens. Dude, I think the question a lot of people are wondering from a fantasy perspective. We know Tyreek Hill is going to be a beast. We know Jalen Waddle is going to be very successful. Did the first two weeks of this year, and specifically, Jason, what you saw down in Baltimore, does that alter your fantasy projection for Tua over the course of this year? I don't want people to overreact and see Tua throw six touchdown passes, I think four of which were in the fourth quarter, I think, and think that, okay, now Tua's just going to be this elite QB1 all season. That's not what's going to happen. But Tua can definitely be a QB1. There's no reason to think he couldn't. I came on here, I think it was August, and talked about the impact that uh, Tyreek Hill had on Alex Smith in 2017. In that season, Alex Smith was the QB3 by fantasy points per game. That's Alex Smith, basically a product of Tyreek Hill. I think two is a little better than Alex Smith. And he also has a Jalen Waddle. So yeah, I do think these receivers can and perhaps already have made Tua into a more prolific quarterback, both in real life and fantasy. And so much for Tyreek Hill slowing down, going to the Miami Dolphins. Now, Jason, I don't know if he's going to have the prolific year he had in Mahomes' first season, but he's still going to end up profiling if he stays healthy. I would guess is what, one of the five or six most prolific fantasy players at wide receiver this year? It's funny because Tyreek Hill was my guy in 2017 and 2018. And because people weren't fully bought in yet. Then once 2018 happened, that was it. I'm like, okay, that's it. I'm never getting Tyreek Hill again. He's going to go in the first round the rest of his career until he's not good anymore. And I, I can't have him. Then he goes to Miami and all of a sudden, people are ranking him outside of the top eight receivers. He's going in the late second round and lo and behold, we're three years later and I can get all the Tyreek Hill. And so I have Tyreek Hill in a lot of fantasy leagues. I had him ranked wide receiver six and that, that may even end up being too low. So yeah, I think Tyreek Hill, again, he's, he's not, I can't say he's as good as Chiefs Tyreek Hill, but I mean, so far, so far he's just as good. I see no reason he can't be a top six receiver the rest of the way. Now let's go the other way here. First two weeks of the season, you don't want to get nuts, like you said, from an overreaction standpoint, but after watching two weeks of games, out of the big stars, the big players, whose performance over the first two weeks has you sounding the alarm saying, oh man, this could be a rough year for so-and-so? Uh, there are actually a fair amount of them. Um, I'm going to go with the biggest name. I think talking about quarterbacks isn't as fun. So I'm going to go with the running back, and that is Derrick Henry. He looks shot, dude. I'm glad you mentioned that. I had the Titans the other day, which was an idiotic bet, might I add. I mean, that game was over before it even began. But I'm watching Derrick Henry run the football. I'm like, this guy's, where, where, where's the monster I saw the last couple of years, dude? Uh, we, we can place blame on, on whoever we want. But the reality is, throughout his entire career, even when we were getting monster 2,000-yard rusher Derrick Henry, he was always a game script-dependent running back. I, I, he has, like, in the single digit, if he even has any RB1 performances in games where the Titans lose, he needs to be playing from ahead, and he needs to score touchdowns so he doesn't catch any passes. And last year, Derrick Henry, 
had 219 carries in half a season. Despite missing eight games, he still leads all NFL players in touches over the past three seasons. Now he's 28 years old, coming off a broken foot, playing on what many of us expected to be a a bit of a worse team. We saw his efficiency decline last year. He averaged 4.9 yards per carry in 2018, 5.1 in 2019, and 5.4 in 2020. That dropped to 4.3 in 2021, but he was still scoring the touchdowns and getting a ton of volume. And he caught a little bit in terms of more passes, 18 catches in eight games. This year, through two games, not a single reception, just 3.1 yards per carry. And the Titans look like they are a team that's only going to win maybe six or seven games. That, to me, means we're getting maybe six or seven RB1 performances out of a guy who is a consensus top six overall pick. Right now, if I have Derrick Henry, you, if you're selling him, you got to sell him low. Uh, I'm fine doing that. I am not sure Derrick Henry finishes inside the top 24 running backs this year. And I'm not wow. sure if Derrick Henry is even a viable fantasy pick at all in 2023. And that's telling. If you drafted him in the first round, you may be in a world of hurt and in a world of trouble. All right, buddy. It's week three. Give me the quarterback we got to play this week. Who's the quarterback we are avoiding this week? We are starting Kirk Cousins. I know he's coming off a really bad week last week. Many fantasy managers not happy with his Monday night disaster, primetime Cousins, all that fun stuff. I was very happy about it. I went against him in a league, and it was very beneficial. So I was very okay with it, Jason. Just saying. And I I bet the Eagles, so I was happy with that too. (laughs) But from a fantasy perspective, do not overreact to one bad game. Cousins will bounce back. The Lions are this year's shootout opponent. Good offense, not so good of a defense. They're allowing, or they've allowed over 400 yards of offense on average through their first two games. They've allowed eight touchdowns already. This is a, an ideal spot for Cousins to get back on track. I think he throws at least two touchdowns this week. Justin Jefferson's going to get going. Start Kirk Cousins this week. On the other side, this is not someone that I talked about in the last section, but I certainly could have, and that is Russell Wilson. He is the QB 20 through the first two weeks. All those years we've been begging for Pete Carroll to let Russ cook. Well, I think we might have had to wait a little too long because I think Russ is is the one who's cooked. Simply put, I'm not sure Russ is good anymore. The 49ers are allowing just 142.5 passing yards per game. They've already forced three interceptions. And I know it's only two games, but I'm not sure Nathaniel Hackett is quite ready to be an NFL head coach. I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, uh, give his eulogy yet from, from a coaching perspective. He's very young in terms of his coaching career. There's a lot to learn, but a lot of concerns in the, in the way he's called uh, things over the first two weeks. I have a lot of concerns with Denver, and Russell Wilson is prime among them. I would not start him. Uh, this is at least 15 quarterbacks to start over him this week, probably more like 17 or 18. Right there with you on Russell Wilson and Denver. A lot to prove. All right, running back. What are we looking at? All right. Uh, guy I like to start this week, Damian Pierce. After playing second fiddle to Rex Burkhead in week one, Lovey Smith, true to his word, in getting Pierce more involved in week two. Pierce played 64% of the snaps. He handled 15 carries. Still not very involved in the passing game, but I don't think that's going to matter this week. The Bears were just gashed by Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon to the tune of 193 yards and 33 carries. And Pierce has a nice stay on the ground. He finds the end zone, something like 70 yards at a touchdown, which is solid RB2 numbers. On the other side, the guy I just mentioned, A.J. Dillon. I don't necessarily like hating players after down weeks because they often tend to bounce back. But this is a really bad spot for the Packers running backs. Uh, the Bucks were a pass funnel defense last year. And I think they're a pass funnel again, except this time it's like an even worse situation because their offense is playing so slow and it's run heavy that it keeps games low scoring. I'm sure when we looked at this game on the schedule a month ago, we saw oh, Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers, shootout city, a lot of points here. I think we're going to get the opposite because both these teams don't have much in the way of wide receivers this week. I think we're going to see two teams that are trying to win the ball with ball control and defense. And if we get that, there's just not going to be enough offense to go around. The Bucs have yet to allow a rushing touchdown in the season. In fact, they've only allowed one touchdown in their first two games this season. So I'm fading A.J. Dillon this week. Yeah, normally you think Brady Rodgers, you think shootout. Not in this particular game. Right there with you. All right, wide receiver. All right, going back to someone who struggled also through the first two weeks, that is D.K. Metcalf. Through two games, Metcalf's average depth of target is a paltry 5.5 yards. That has led to the always reliable Pete Carroll saying that he needs to get the ball downfield to Metcalf more. And you know what? The first time ever, I think I believe Pete Carroll. The Falcons allow the highest deep ball completion rate uh, this season, thus far this season. I think Metcalf's going to catch a long touchdown this week. On the other side, we got DJ Moore. Just 10.7 fantasy points per game through the first two weeks. His 23% target share is his lowest since his rookie year. And it's actually behind teammate Robbie Anderson. The Saints are allowing just 201.5 passing yards per game. 
Marshawn Lattimore avoided suspension. And Moore just doesn't look like a priority for Baker Mayfield. So I'm kind of out on him until he proves himself and works his way back into my, into my lineups. Jason Katz, fantasy extraordinaire. Excellent work. We will see you next week. Um, maybe we'll recap another two or six touchdown performance. That'd be nice, right? You know, old school, like Marino and Kelly. How about, how about two and throws another six against the Bills on Sunday? As someone who has a lot of Tyreek Hill, I would be enamored with that. I like that. There you go. I like that I'm getting at least a lukewarm. Yeah, you're still out of your freaking mind. All right, buddy. We'll chat next week. Look forward to it. All right, before we say goodbye, Jeff Money, you are off to a rough start. You need wins in the absolute worst way. Let's hear them. What do you got in week three? What's up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicap for Texas before week number three of the NFL Super Contest style. As far as uh, for the week, uh, last week I was 1-0 on money plays, 1-1 for the year, went 2-3 and three again for the – I'm four and six on the year. As you know, you went three and two. You had another good week going seven and three on the year. Head to head, when we match up on our super contest plays, we were one and one, and we're one and one on the year. And our family plays, we were 0 and one again when we match up on uh, super contest plays and 0 and two on the year. As far as the five plays, first play, my uh, money play for the week, I'm going to Rose Hill. I'm going with the Cincinnati Bengals minus a six over the New York Jets. Game number two, I'm going with your Miami Dolphins at home plus the five and a half over the Buffalo Bills. Game number three, I'm going with another home team. I'm going to go with the Chicago Bears, minus the two and a half over the Houston Texans. Game number four, I'm going with a home team. I'm going with the Minnesota Vikings, minus the six over the Detroit Lions. And finally, another home team. I'm going to go with the Washington Commanders, plus the six and a half over the Philadelphia Eagles. Again, all the, all the five plays, I'm going with the Bengals, minus the six. The Dolphins plus the five and a half. The Chicago Bears minus the two and a half. The Vikings minus the six. And the Commanders plus the six and a half. And we'll see how we match up. These are all part of the circular lines. Okay, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go. Let's go, Jeff Money. Listen, I like a lot of those picks. The one I actually like the least is my team. The Dolphins getting five and a half. I mean, on Cincinnati, great bounce back spot. I love the Vikings. That's a family play. And I think you get good value with the C-words getting six and a half. And don't forget, we'll have a same-game parlay on FanDuel, Yankees-Red Sox Friday night. You know Aaron Judge is going to be involved somehow. You just know. Fun show. Guys did a fabulous job. want to thank Jesse filling in for Stefan. Remember, voicemails after maybe some history in the Bronx. Jets-Bengals in week three, 917-382-1151. Enjoy your weekend. Uh, Sunday will be interesting because I'm seeing Cousin South for football in the 4 o'clock window, so... Uh, I'm very curious to see the shenanigans that go on in Brooklyn uh, late in the afternoon. We shall see. JJ out. Enjoy the weekend. Be good, everybody. (laughs) 